0: I said, well, I got it going on then.
1: Alright everyone, welcome back to the Reload Podcast. My name is Kyle Boone and we've got a special edition of the Reload Podcast. Every edition is uh, a special edition, but... Especially special this week, we've got Marshall Scott, our beat writer for uh, Pistols Firing, joining us. What's up, Marshall?
2: Not much. I'm surprised you didn't get tongue-tied with all the specials, if we're honest, with each other. (laughs) I
1: I practiced that no less than ten times. Um, (laughs) And we've also got Dustin Ragusa, the big ragu, uh, making his, I believe it's third, maybe fourth appearance on the podcast. What's up?
0: Not much. Just uh, coming off a tough rec league volleyball loss playoff loss playoffs
1: but yeah we we all wish that you had lost earlier so we could we could actually <laughs> podcast earlier but it is what it is ragu's a volleyball all-star uh so we'll t- we'll take what we get uh, my best. yeah so we've got we've got three guys on the pod we're gonna preview kansas state obviously but before we do that, let's hear a word from our sponsor this week, and we'll get into uh, the episode. Uh, you guys may have heard the news that there is a new tax bill, but do you know how it affects you? Angel Johnston and Blassingame, they do. They've got ten, a firm of uh, 10 CPAs and 22 total employees. It's one of the largest in central Oklahoma, and they've been hard at work calculating how these new changes to the tax bill will affect hardworking cowboys just like yourself feel free to give Cameron or Evan a call at 405-224-6363 or visit their website at ajb-cpas.com. Again, that's 405-224-6363. Since we've podcasted, Ragu and I podcasted, was it last week or two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah, so a lot has happened since then. OSU lost to, to Iowa State over the weekend and... Um, if you missed kind of a recap of that, the PFB podcast, the the Pistols Firing podcast, did a pretty good job of breaking that down. Carson Cunningham and, and Kyle Porter. But um, we're, we're going to preview that or preview Kansas State, obviously, and maybe look at, look back at, at Iowa State and just kind of what went wrong Um so I guess I, I posed the question to you, Marshall. What went wrong in Iowa State? I mean, you know, they lost forty-eight, forty-two. Feel like you scored enough points to probably win a game, but uh, the defense was was atrocious. There was a lot of other problems. What do you think was kind of like the key the key uh, issue that played Oklahoma State and prevented it from moving to uh, to get its second win in, of conference play?
2: Yeah, looking back at it, you you. You know the offensive line does deserve some blame, but like yeah. you said, they did score 42 points. Yeah. So there comes a point where you just have to not allow Iowa State to score on you in your home field. So it is obviously a rough day for the defense. They did not know how to handle the freshman sensation that is Bryce Pur- Brock Purdy. I keep saying Bryce Purdy. I don't know why. Yeah,
1: it's like, it looks Bryce, like Petty. A Bryce
2: to me. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably it. Honestly. Yeah. So I think a little more. Blame kind of has to be shifted to that secondary unit. That young uh, group of safeties really had a had a hard time.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of baptism by fire. Ragusa, what do you think about kind of what went wrong? What's who's who's to blame for the Iowa State loss?
0: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Marshall there. I, obviously, the offensive line was really bad. Um, yeah, we couldn't really get anything going there. But I'm just a little confused. You know. Campbell said that Purdy was going to play, yeah. And so it was almost like they didn't practice at all for anything that kid could do. And I'm I'm assuming there's not a ton of film on him. I know he's young, but it just they made some adjustments at halftime. You could tell they put defense played a little bit better in the second half. But Mm -hmm. I don't even understand why it took till halftime. They should they should have had some kind of scheme going on for if Purdy came in the game because he can obviously move the ball with his legs and it was just like they were totally dumbfounded that he could run the football and also throw it like they'd never seen that before and so that was a little frustrating so i kind of agree with marshall i I know the offensive line needs a lot of blame but i'm pretty frustrated with how the defense kind of adjusted to everything overall
1: yeah yeah and um you know i think that all goes back to the kind of the uncomfortable point that jim Knowles hasn't been overwhelmingly great you know, as as his first his first season, obviously, at Oklahoma State coming from Duke and uh, calling plays for the defense, Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury ran circles around him in Stillwater. And, uh, you know, you thought coming in that Iowa State's offense was struggling. It wasn't the best unit in the Big 12 by a long shot. And not only did Iowa State hang 48, nearly have 100 on, on Oklahoma State, but they did it with a freshman quarterback who – really hadn't played like at all this season. And I think that's, that's um, something to watch. Obviously Oklahoma state just in the secondary as as Marshall mentioned is, is really young. Um, They're getting baptized uh, consistently and regularly. And it's kind of embarrassing, but do you guys feel like this secondary is kind of like um, maybe learning? It's like trial and error with, um, with the defense, obviously kind of like uh, Ramon Richards in 2014 where, it's like, yeah, he's he's definitely – he's getting roasted like on a regular basis. But it's eventually going to pay off and, and these guys are going to be like pretty good down the road. Or do you feel like this is just kind of like it is what it is for now and, and the scheme is not good and uh, the world is falling apart? I mean I definitely kind of think it's question.
0: the, the – the, I definitely think it's the first thing you said. I, yeah. I think these guys are going to be good. I think in Noel's scheme, he puts a lot – on the safeties. They have a lot of responsibility and those guys are so young. I mean, everybody out there is extremely young at the safety position, except for Addison Magruder. And he's asking these guys to do a lot. And Gundy talked about in his press conference, you know, they're getting caught with their eyes in the backfield. They've been told to come up and make a play in the run, but they've also got to be aware of the ball over the top, depending on what coverage they're in. Right. And it looks like, they're in a little bit of a conflict, was which is exactly what Iowa State wants to do. Put put the defenders that are reading that in a run pass conflict, and they definitely succeeded. I don't think it's the scheme. I think I think it is the youth. Uh, Noel's kind of breaking in himself in the Big Twelve, and then he you know he hasn't been able to recruit any of his guys yet. And I know that's an excuse he use for every new coach, but I really do think it's true with him with the way his safeties have to play.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and just to correct you, Gundy said the the young safety's eyes are being violated and when he, when he said that <laughs> when he said that at his press conference, um I almost I almost lost it. I mean there's there's some things that he says where I'm just like, you know, just kinda chuckle, but <laughs> some things he says I'm just I just can't hold it in, but <laughs> I, I'm laughing at it still. <laughs> and um, he's really Marshall, um, just looking ahead, I mean, you know, it's obviously we're halfway through the season, but Oklahoma State is four and two. They've beat four, well, three for sure not very good teams, and and they beat Boise. What do you think is OSU's bowl chances? I mean, uh, there's people saying that potentially if they don't win this weekend, then a bowl uh, appearance is, is probably not happening, but... What do you think about OSU's, OSU's chances of uh, of making a bowl, and, and and is that presumption maybe a little bit hyperbole and, and maybe not accurate? Accurate.
2: Uh, I think it is definitely getting a little testy because you yeah. would, if you start at the beginning of the year, you would say, okay, a Tech is an automatic win, Iowa State is an automatic win, and then you'd say Kansas State. And Baylor are probably automatic wins at this point in the year. Yeah, so if they do not win Saturday, you got Texas left, Baylor left, Oklahoma left, West Virginia TCU left. that's that's not really the best schedule to pick up two two more wins in. So Saturday is gonna be a big deal not only for you know this season as a whole, but even you know how much practice those younger guys will get leading up to the bowl game, the whole extra month or whatever it is so this k-state game is going to be a pretty big deal
1: yeah yeah what are you what are you expecting because um going back to you marshall i mean oklahoma state has played pretty close games in in manhattan just in recent history you know kansas state and and oklahoma state kind of traded punches the last time they were in in manhattan and james washington and mason rudolph was kind of the difference but it, it was it was Definitely in question. I mean, Oklahoma State had to come back and, and win that game. Do you see this weekend's game kind of being a shootout, kind of being um, a high-scoring affair where it's kind of whoever scores last wins? Or do you think this is kind of going to be a defensive shootout? Because I kind of think it could repeat like it did two years ago.
2: Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of leaning on the defensive end just to the fact that K-State almost cannot throw the football. Right. So that's going to be a little rough. OSU's offensive line can't really block as well as we thought them getting of the year. So yep. I, I expect a, probably a low scoring unless people just start ripping off, you know, big runs back to back. But I would not expect a lot of passing out of K-State just given, you know, kind of who they are and what they're about. And then is probably going to go back to old reliable Justice Hill quite a bit. Yep. So, yeah, I'd respect I'd expect a pretty low-scoring game.
1: Yeah. What do you think, Ragusa? Because you wrote a you wrote a good piece for for PFB about you know kind of the four players to watch. Do you think this is going to be kind of a shootout style, or do you think this is going to be low scoring? Because um, I've got Jackson Levarn La, Jackson Lavarnway, Did I say that correctly? He is uh, he is by my side, and he thinks that this could be low scoring because there's a chance it could actually be rainy um, throughout the game. So what do you think about this game?
0: Yeah, I I don't think I predicted incredibly low scoring in our prediction post on the site, but I I definitely could see that happening. I do agree with Marshall that I think the Cowboys are going to ride Justice Hill, and he's probably going to have a big day, even with some of the struggles we've seen in the offensive line, because Kansas State might be one of the worst tackling teams I've ever seen. They miss so many tackles this season, and that's so un unlike a Bill Schneider team, but yeah. they have had some real issues tackling. And once once Justice gets in the second level, I mean, if you're not making a sure tackle on him, he's probably gone. So I could see him busting off a few big runs. Um, I think both teams are going to try to run the ball, even though K-State has Skylar Thompson, who's probably going to play. He's the less mobile of the two between him and Delton. He can still move. They do a lot of zone read, a lot of RPOs, and – that could be a that could be a problem when your yeah. eyes are getting violated in the backfield because <laughs> then then Thompson's just gonna throw it over the top, which is what he did a year ago when he probably had the game of his life uh, in Stillwater. But the dude can't throw. I, that, that that was an anomaly. He looked horrible in that Baylor game. I think both teams are gonna run, and I'm actually feeling kind of bad about my prediction now because I actually think it could be more low scoring than that.
1: Yeah, Thompson great. Thompson had an absolute field day last year in Stillwater. And I don't, I obviously Kyle Cox wrote about it um, really smartly for, for PFB, kind of comparing uh, Cornelius and, and Thompson. But people forget that the reason K State randomly destroyed Oklahoma State and Stillwater last year was because of Skylar Thompson and um, him just perpetually connecting on deep balls. And it was really unexpected. And they just, kind of owned Oklahoma state last year. So that is something to watch Skylar Thompson. I don't kind think of, he's hit a deep ball this season. That's what I was going to say as a whole, he's, he's not been real great this year. <laughs> like against, um, mostly non-starter level competition at Kansas state. He's, he's like barely won the starting job. And even going into this week, like we're not even sure if we're going to see Skylar Thompson because they could go a different direction. And, Um, Bill Snyder, I guess has addressed the situation and said that you should write whatever the hell you want to write about, (laughs) about Kansas state's quarterback situation. So, um, you know, he's, he's kind of in full blown. I don't really care what you do mode, but I don't, I don't know what to expect from the quarterback situation from Kansas state. I expect probably that Skylar Thompson will play significantly. And the fact that he's performed well against Oklahoma state in past years suggests that that will probably be the avenue they go. Um, as far as quarterback situations going, Oklahoma state is, is, is kind of interesting. Um, I don't, I don't think there's much to it, to be honest. I, I think I've kind of settled on the fact that Oklahoma state's going to ride with Cornelius so long as he's healthy. Um, what do you guys make of kind of just where Oklahoma state stands at quarterback? Because it's a, it's a situation we're talking about every week, um, Cornelius is is not maybe like your NFL caliber quarterback so there's going to be discussion about whether uh, Drew Brown or Spencer Sanders should be inserted to maybe give OSU a boost but at this point you know you got a 6'6 230 pound quarterback who's built to withstand some blows that this offensive line is inevitably going to give up Um what do you make of Cornelius? Uh, obviously, from from this past weekend against Iowa State and moving forward, do you think uh, maybe he's the answer long term? Or what are your thoughts about the quarterback situation? I'll go to you, Marshall.
2: Um, yeah. So the big news out of Gundy's presser Monday was that the plan, as for now, was to redshirt uh, Spencer Sanders. And I think yeah. everybody, you know, you everybody knew that it just hadn't been said yet. But like, I guess hearing it just really opened up the wound. For some people. Yeah. But as far as Cornelius' played this year, I don't think it's been bad at all. You know, I wrote about it after uh, the Iowa State game that Cornelius was actually pretty good during that game. He just. He was, yeah. As Gundy would say, was running for his life. Yep. That about 16, 17 times. Yeah. But, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I think Cornelius came into a bad spot with a team that's kind of on a downswing and then he's replacing, you know, arguably one of the, he's at least top two, top three best quarterbacks in school history. Right. And now you have to walk in to this with the offensive line play that he's gotten. He was never going to win. You know, he was never going to live up to those expectations, but I don't think that he's been bad. Um, You the only thing that I could see where you'd argue is that you put Spencer Sanders in to, you know, prepare for the future. Yeah, uh, but with that said, you also would get Spencer Sanders one less year because of you wouldn't have that redshirt year, you know. So, I, I, I'm I'm on the fence. We don't get to watch practice. We don't know how ready or not Drew Brown or Spencer Sanders is. And I think Cornelius has done a fine job thus far. The only argument I'll buy into that Spencer Sanders should be playing is that you're prepping. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh wow. I was holding it off for so long is that you're prepping for the future.
1: I'm going to mute my
2: phone now and cough.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that take. And, uh, Brian Keating had, had made a good point on Twitter that, um, we've wrote about, you know, kind of almost ad nauseum on pistols firing. It's just like, if you're trying to, if you're tabbing the season as a rebuild and you think that you're rebuilding towards the future, um, What's what's your logic there in in trotting out a, a fifth-year senior at quarterback and a, a running back who is going to the NFL? Now, I'm not saying you don't play Justice Hill because obviously you're going to play Justice Hill, but if you've got a comparable talent at quarterback in either Drew Brown or uh, Spencer Sanders more notably, and Sanders has four years eligibility and Cornelius has half a season left um, – what, what are you building towards and, and is it worth maybe trying to give S- Spencer Sanders a look? So I understand that argument. Um, me personally, I think, I think I'm, I'm kind of swinging in the favor of Cornelius and um, I'm kind of waffling like a waffle house in, in, <laughs> in doing that. <laughs> and because I've been all in on Spencer Sanders, I think, I think he's the future, but, um, kind of talking with people around the program, I th- I think I get the sense that that Sanders just is not ready, and I don't know if that's you know due to the fact that he arrived late on campus or that he's not quite comprehending the offensive system as as quickly as everyone expected him to, or if he's not taking it as seriously. Um, you know, I don't know if he's not quiet enough for Gundy, if he doesn't love his family enough, but. <laughs> um, I I just think Spencer Sanders like it's you can basically take to the take it to the bank that he is he is going to redshirt now whether he plays or not this season as as part of the redshirt rule and he can play less than than five games um, is is kind of yet to be yet to be determined I think if they make a bowl game I wouldn't be surprised to see OSU kind of scheme up some sort of uh, offensive set for him but I think you know this offensive line is is just atrocious. And they gave up seven sacks last last week against Iowa State. Iowa State hadn't had seven sacks all season, going into the game. And Cornelius, um, again, to to quote Marshall, who quoted Gundy, was running for his life at basically every snap. And I listened to the Tape Doesn't Lie podcast with with Adam Lunt and. Um, that kind of just confirmed my my theory that OSU's offensive line just isn't very good. And when you've got a six foot six quarterback who's two hundred thirty pounds, um, I think you just got to keep riding him because he's been pretty good. He's not elite. He's not an NFL quarterback, but you know he he's going to get the job done if if everything else falls into place. And Oklahoma State should be winning ball games so long as he plays well and the rest of the team plays well. So. You don't want to risk losing Spencer Sanders, the franchise, the future of your of your program, um, for a potential like seven and five season. I just I just I don't buy that. So I'm kind of all in on Cornelius at this point, but uh I could I could still be probably dissuade otherwise, but uh Ragu, I've, got a,
2: I've got another I got another argument to sway you otherwise now that I'm okay. done coughing my throat up. Thank goodness. So, uh, What's your take? Another, uh, <laughs> another thing that Gundy mentioned uh, Monday was that he wished Cornelius had another year because we'd all be like gloating about him next year, given the experience that he's gained from this year. Like, and then he talked about how good quarterbacks are after year one, going into year two. Like, that is just another reason to play your freshman. But again, that, that that his argument just kind of started folding on top of itself. But again, I'm still think Cornelius is the best option. I just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Like I rewatched the uh, the Iowa State and the Kansas game this week, and I'll admit I don't know why I did that. But um, <laughs> like, I had some takes ranging from Cornelius might be like pretty good to like, are we sure that Cornelius wasn't the better quarterback than Mason Rudolph? Like. I'm not going to quite go there, but I think he's he's really good. Like He's got some NFL talent. He's not an NFL quarterback probably, but he makes some big boy throws. And against Iowa State, he really showed that. He was dropping some passes over the top of Iowa State secondary. That was really, really impressive. So I think OSU can win at an elite level with Cornelius at quarterback. The problem is OSU's offensive line looks like Union High School, and <laughs> and the secondary is – is looking just as atrocious as as the New York Giants right now that I'm watching. So I, I don't really know what to expect moving forward. I think OSU will make a bowl game, um, but this weekend is kind of a must-win game against Kansas State. Ragu, what do you think about the quarterback situation? Yeah, I, I think
0: I agree with both of you guys. I, I do think if we lose to K-State and then, you know, by week and then get throttled by, te- by Texas, you know, maybe you start thinking about, Throwing Sanders out there, but if he's truly not ready, and we've seen how the offensive line is blocked, maybe you don't want to throw him out there. Because if he's not ready and he's not getting any blocking, then then he might. He, there's a good chance he gets hurt. But I, I do agree. It, I'd get him some run if we basically lose any chance of going to a bowl game. The season's pretty much a wash because, like you said, Cornelius isn't coming back for another year. So might as well get him a little in-game action, him being Spencer Sanders. But I'm fine with Cornelius. I mean, you guys know from our Slack conversations, I've been pro-corn pretty much the whole time. When I do my offensive takeaways, I think he's only been a negative piece uh, after maybe one game. I don't think he's played bad. I don't think he's done anything spectacular, but he's made some solid throws and— I definitely haven't been blaming many games on him solely on his shoulders. So I'm fine as we can if we continue to ride him. Now, if he goes out and throws four picks, comes back the next week and doesn't look good again, you know, then maybe you do something. But he hasn't with his play. I don't think he's deserved to sit. But yeah. I do see the argument of getting Spencer some run if the season, you know, pretty much doesn't mean anything if we lose a couple more games.
1: Yeah, the pro- I think the problem is, and I'll make this brief, but. The problem is everyone wants to see what Drew Brown or Spencer Sanders brings, and we have yet to see them play in a game. I mean, if if OSU's up by eight touchdowns against Missouri State and they just play Spencer Sanders for the second half, I mean, I feel like that would at least quench some of that um, thirst to see kind of just what he looks like on the field. But we just don't know, and, and as fans and kind of as observers who aren't able to watch practice, people want to know what, what the second unit looks like and what the third unit looks like with, with Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders. Like, is is Gundy favoring Cornelius because he's been on campus for five years? Maybe, but is is Drew Brown the better quarterback than Cornelius? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, we, we just don't know. And until we actually see what what the offense looks like with each quarterback. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to just like, at least be curious. Like what if Spencer Sanders is like elite? What if he's the Sean Watson 2.0 and Trent? <laughs> be awesome. I'm, I'm all in on that by the way. I just, I don't, I don't know that he's ready right now, but I think, I think he's going to be really good, but it's like, I mean, we just don't know. We have no idea. And, there's no, there's no promise that we'll see either Drew Brown or Spencer Sanders this season. So I don't know, I don't know what to make of it, but it, it is kind of like a unique situation in that every week we feel like we're talking about the quarterback situation and we're not manufacturing some uh, like fake comp- competition or anything. Like people are actually talking about it and it's, a, it's a really strong interest point that um, I don't know. I mean, you can make a case that if someone else is better at quarterback, then maybe you know they kind of rise the tide, and Oklahoma State's better as a team. No one really knows kind of how that situation would unfold. But um, I want to get to one interesting news topic that uh, that unfolded on is today Thursday. Man, today is Thursday. Yeah. Uh, so on Thursday, I'm sitting on Twitter and. Cowboy FB on Twitter, OSU's football account, tweets out that uh, they tweet at Arkansas's football account. And they say, I think they say, are you up? What'd they say?
0: I think it was sup. Sup.
1: sup. They said sup. Okay, so um, turns out Oklahoma State's going to play Arkansas in a home-and-home schedule um, starting in 2024. Ragusa, how excited are you for this?
0: I'm pretty pumped. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome to kind of you know pick back up that you know rivalry, I guess, of the back in the day. They haven't played since like what 1980 or something. So 1980, yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome that they're coming to Stillwater first too. And I know it's pretty far away, but it's not that far away, and it's something to get excited about, especially coming off that tough loss to Iowa State. It's kind of a little good news to have. Something like that. It's cool to play in SEC school and to get the home-and-home like that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the neutral site, just play the team once game. I do like the home-and-homes. So I think that'll be fun. And then, you know, luckily I'll still be alive maybe for when we go back and play in Fayetteville. But uh, Fayetteville is awesome. If if anybody listening hasn't been, you should definitely try to go to that game in 20 years or whenever it is. But
1: I, I think it's awesome. I'm all for it. Yeah, no, okay, so Jackson's right next to me, and he says, or he actually passed me his phone, so here's the exact conversation. Cowboy FB tweets, hey, Razorback Football, sup? Razorback Football tweets, sup? OSU responds, what are you doing? Arkansas, getting ready to go to the Rock to play Ole Miss, you? And OSU Football says, uh, preparing for K-State and the Little Apple. Hey, we should play. It's been too long. Arkansas responds you're right it's been a minute since 1980 when were you thinking <laughs> so Oji responds how about our place in 2024 and arkansas says done fayetteville in 2027 so uh kind of an interesting little social media plot there but um <laughs> it may or may not have been planned out ahead of time but marshall are we going to be are we going to be um tailgating for this game in in six years or what's the deal
2: I think so. There will be a bunch of little boons running around, I'm sure. Um,
1: oh, God.
2: I'll, I'll be knocking on the door of 30 by then. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to say what I was about to say. Twitter's not even going to be a thing, so that uh, that like conversation will be totally irrelevant by then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I it's weird because I think that is Fayetteville closer to Stillwater than Norman is to Stillwater?
1: um i think i looked this up once and it's it's at least probably like it's very very close yeah you're right like from from my house in broken arrow i think norman's probably like two hours away two and a half maybe uh fayetteville is probably pretty comparable to that so yeah
2: so it i think it's crazy that they don't play more often um i uh, I don't know I, I remember growing up and people I grew up in Oklahoma people around were always be wearing Arkansas stuff and I was like I don't really get that they're terrible but apparently they used to be pretty good so it's,
1: <laughs> yeah it's definitely cool
2: for yeah it's definitely cool for all the all the old timers to get to see that again
1: yeah I agree I agree and Tyreek Boone, by the way, he's going to love <laughs> Arkansas, <laughs> Oklahoma State in 2024. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Um, all right, we're about to get out of here, so let's make some final predictions for Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Marshall. Who you got uh, winning this game this weekend?
2: Uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, wow. I've been thinking Homer. This, I've been thinking about it all week. <laughs> all of all of us on the site they picked Oklahoma State. Not. I, I was like, oh man, somebody should have bit the bullet, but. I've been thinking about it all week and my gut has always said that Oklahoma State's going to win, but I keep using legitimate facts to convince myself otherwise. But went with the gut. I've been wrong on almost every prediction this year. So let's make it another. I've took Oklahoma State 42, Kansas State 38.
1: Okay. That's that's close. So for context, Oklahoma State last I checked is uh, Oklahoma State's a seven point favorite. So, it's, yeah. it's expected to be fairly close. Ragusa, what do you got?
0: Yeah, I've got Oklahoma State covering 38-27, and I think that's the over, too. But I think it could be low scoring, but I just, I just don't think Kansas State... Alex Barnes is a great running back. Yeah. I just don't think they're going to be able to do enough on offense. And even though our secondary has been suspect pretty much all season, and we've had some trouble... With the pass protection, I yes. still think we're going to be able to score. I don't think Kansas State's very good. I think they're probably better than Kansas, but I, I just don't think they're very good.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, Jackson's to my left here. Jackson, who do you got winning this game this weekend? I got a OSU thirty-eight thirty-five. Thirty-eight thirty-five. Why do you think OSU is going to win?
0: I, th- I think they're due for one. Um, they also play Kansas State pretty close. Yeah. Rather, regardless of who's the better team that year agreed and they've played particularly well on the road for whatever reason i think they just get this one done
1: yeah it's weird oklahoma state's almost better on the road than they are at home they are. They are yeah um so i'll i'll stick with my prediction i made on the on the site 42 41 oklahoma state i think kansas state i'm going like super minutia details here but Kansas State misses a fi- uh, an extra point in the final minute. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm just throwing stuff out. I don't know. I mean, I'm at least I'm not you picking. Picked, yeah, picked Oklahoma
0: State, dude. Yeah, you, like you hate Oklahoma State.
1: <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma State's by far my least team, my least favorite team. I I I really hate talking about them, and uh, so yeah, I I hate covering them. I that's why I never write about them. I never talk about them. <laughs> Yeah, it, my heart. It's my heart's too bad enormous. You,
2: it's too bad that you didn't save your upset pick for Iowa State, and then people would have all laughed at you for picking Iowa State. I know. And then <laughs> you, you almost got it. You almost had them. The,
1: the Kansas prediction was a true Hail Mary. And when <laughs> when I made that prediction on the podcast and Ragusa like, maybe fainted briefly, I was like, oh, maybe. You, you like, know. scared me. Yeah, Ragusa's heart. Like I heard his heart drop a little bit whenever I made it. Uh, a couple. I like yelped. Yeah, I think he did.
2: <laughs> uh, like yeah. The so... app you got on yelp. That won't be around by the end of the game. It won't. <laughs> You're living on Mars. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, I think I think the game will be close. Um, Oklahoma State and Kansas State typically always play close um apparently unless it's in in stillwater in, in in which case Kansas State wins convincingly but 42-41 that's what i think is the is the final score i hope it's close uh Jackson and i are headed to uh Topeka tomorrow to uh to tailgate in our own fashion i guess um and then in Saturday we're going to drive from Topeka to Manhattan nice to, to cover the game and uh so it'll be PFB's first road trip experience. Should be a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll get that dub and uh, avoid the s- snow on Sunday. yeah, avoid the snow. Apparently there's snow coming to Manhattan. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> That's so awesome. yeah, that'll be, be fun. Fine. Yes, absolutely. So Marshall Ragusa, thank you so much for joining. I know it's late, but um, I'm glad we cranked this out. So we'll get this out tomorrow. And uh best of luck. We will uh we will talk with you this weekend and uh, hopefully we'll recap a, a win next week on the podcast. Should be fun. For sure. Okay. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank See ya. you. Okay, thanks to Marshall and Ragusa for taking the time to do a podcast. Um, thanks to our sponsor. Um wanna hear one quick word from them and give them some more love and uh, be sure to subscribe and and rate on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Um, There's a new tax bill in town, um, and there's a lot of changes that are happening. Angel, Johnston, and Blasting Game, they know all the ins and outs of, of what that tax bill does and how it'll affect you. They've got a firm of 10 CPAs and 22 total employees. It's one of the largest in Central Oklahoma. They've been hard at work all summer, all fall, calculating how these new tax changes are going to affect hardworking Cowboys just like yourself. So feel free to give them a call, Cameron or Evan, 405-224-6363. And they also have a website, ajb-cpas.com. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.